0: The Good, the Bad, and the Proletariat, written by Ian Smith. Chapter 1 The dry midday desert sun scorches the small town of Pequeño Pueblo, as it had done the day before, and the day before that, and every day, except that one almost two years back in an event no one can quite describe. Twenty three miles from our nearest town, Pequeño Pueblo, or Bipi, as it came to be known across Nevada, enjoyed its solitude in its early years as the westward expansion expanded on westward, leaving it to flourish as one of the country's premier revolutionary war reenactment towns. But as interest in the war dried up, along with 90% of the town's water supply, the town had to endure the painful sight of seeing their once great home turned into the shriveled, limp, pee-pee that could never quite stand direct again. Low crop yields and no waterway for the Delaware River weren't the only problems they'd come to face in these hard times. Masculine Cassidy's Wild and Wacky Bunch, a group of misfit outlaws led by the notorious Masculine Cassidy, grabbed hold of the exposed pee with a tight grip and tugged, not relenting until what they wanted came squirting out all over their tired, sweaty faces. Metaphorically speaking, with no other option than to give in to the gang's demands, the people of Pequeño Pueblo lived each day in fear, hoping the morning sun wouldn't bring with it a hearty heaping of troubles. This was not one of those days.
1: Listen up! Y'all are awfully late on that there protection.
0: A hawk circling overhead crashes into the dirt road just in front of the three bandits' horses, inspired to do so by the bullet now lodged in its neck. The town quietly gathers around the bandits, despite this avant garde display.
1: Y'all are awfully late on that there protection money, you owe. Now, as much as me and my two accomplices here like reliving the exhilarating history of the Revolutionary War, I'm starting to get awful tired of having to come collect what you owe.
2: What are we supposed to do, Sundance? We have no way of getting you the money unless you come here and get it.
1: We don't know where Secret
3: Hideout
1: is. All we can do is wait for you to show up and... howdy! <laughs> well, all I'm hearing now is excuses. And excuses are like a baby in a barrel full of rattlesnakes. I don't like it, even if the whole situation's entirely my fault.
2: Look, we don't have all the money together. We've been really struggling. If you could just give us a break, it really
1: means. Maybe y'all are forgetting who you're talking to. I'm the Sundance Kid of the Wild and Wacky Bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Don't giggle. Now, we've been offering y'all protection for a long time, keeping y'all safe from that big scary world out there. Don't rightly really know what would happen if we decided we wasn't going to do that no more. Ain't that right, Kane's Kid? Sure is. And wouldn't you agree, Tribeca Kid? Rightly would. We can give you three what we have, but you're asking too much. We just can't afford it. What you can't afford, Mr. Nathan, is knowing what'll happen if we're not here to protect you lot. You're already not here. That's the point.
2: You disappear for days until you come asking for
1: money. Hey! Demanding, okay? We don't ask for money like some sort of handout. We have our dignity.
0: Just over the horizon, the silhouette of a man bops up and down under the gentle shade of a large oak tree. The lone figure approaches on horseback along the sole road to town, squinting. Towards the large group gathered around the rounded glasses, he pushes up to the bridge of his nose. Huh. Uh, What's going on up there? The man in the saddle, Michael King, twirls an end of his mustache to a point in his fingers. A nervous tick he'd adopted during his Harvard days. He'd hoped to make a quick stop for supplies, maybe have a sketch taken with a red coat or two, before continuing on back to his family in California where he put his medical degree to use, stomping grapes in his father's vineyard. But now Michael feared this hullabaloo, a word he detested with all of his soul, may prove to be what he'd heard the Northerners refer to as a nun in the spokes. Michael gets off his horse and makes his way to the rear of the crowd, still a bustle from all the excitement. Don't you
1: lecture me on the plight of the proletariat, Roger. I'm well-versed in my Marxisms. Excuse me.
0: Michael tugs on the back of the man's shirt, but is ignored. He pushes his way through the enraptured crowd to find someone to talk to.
3: Listen, Sundance, until you're open to the dialectical perspective of the socio-economical phenomenon that's engulfed our society. Excuse me.
0: A woman pulls her arm away from Michael's grasp. Is there a general store somewhere? I shut up.
3: We ain't never gonna have the progress and reform. We need to thrive.
0: Michael grows frustrated with the town's churlishness.
1: Is that so? You think you can just own your own means of production and profit fairly from your labor, is that it? Who's gonna keep you safe then? You think someone's just gonna waltz on in him, be your savior just like that? <laughs>
0: Excuse me! The crowd grows quiet as every non lazy eye focuses its gaze on Michael, now mere feet from the three bandits, dirty hands now resting on their pistols. Thank you.
4: Now, can anyone tell me where the general store is? I just need some supplies.
0: The town is in utter disbelief. No one had ever stood up to the wild and wacky bunch and changed the subject before. Ebony Smith, The blacksmith slowly lifts his arm to point down the street, mouth dropped like a hangman's trapdoor. Michael, reciprocating the confused stares he receives, nods a quick thanks to Ebony and returns to his horse. The crowd turns with Michael as he trots down the road, glancing over his shoulder occasionally at the flabbergasted town and the death stare of the bandits. What is happening? The horse's footsteps echo through the static town before Michael brings his nag to a stop. Just below the words, Ma and Pa's General Store, with the freshly painted X over Pa. He tries the door, but finds it locked. With a heavy sigh. Michael turns back to the crowd, still watching him.
4: What? Uh, can, can some? Who owns this? Uh, c- can someone uh, come open the door so I can buy things? What is going
1: on today?
0: Sundance carefully lowers the hammer of his pistol, still in its holster.
1: I see. I see how y'all are thinking. Y'all want to play games, that it? Y'all think this is protect you lots so you can keep your money for yourself? Am I getting that so? Maybe we do.
0: The town realizes now that maybe this stranger, who just happened to mysteriously appear, when they needed him the most... What is
4: wrong with you people?
0: ...might be the hero they've been waiting for.
4: We don't need you
2: anymore, Sundance Kid. Go tell Masculine Cassidy that he's not getting another cent from us. Not going to be pushed around by you lot no more. Yeah! Yeah! Come yeah.
5: on!
1: Yeah. Oh, I will. Come on, Kane's Kid, Tribeca Kid, let's go tail on them. Come on, guys, let's go! Yep, 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 yep.
0: The three bandits yep, ride full yep, speed out of town, yep, right past yep, the mic
4: Yep, hey, you know, yep,
0: Towards yep, Rock Bottom yep, Peak to yep, the north, a narrow, winding corridor said to be haunted by angry spirits in the form of live bears. The bandits' dust trails dissipate, as does the crowd with their new sense of freedom and security. An older woman shuffles her way up to the storefront, sifting through a canvas bag of skeleton keys. Are you Ma?
2: What's that, dearie?
4: I said, are you Ma? I said, are you Ma? Found
0: it. Ma pulls the key to the door. She steps past Michael to unlock it, releasing a wave of musk.
2: <coughs> now, now, what's that you said?
4: I said, are you Ma?
2: Oh, oh dear. I knew this day would come. You're the baby I forgot at the train station.
4: What? No, I... I
2: said I was sorry. I was young. It wasn't my fault. I had the best intentions. You've got to believe me. N- no. Uh,
4: I'm asking if you're Ma, the one on the sign. Ma and Pa.
2: Oh, the sign. Oh, yes. Well, there's no Pa anymore. It's just Ma and now. Come in, dear.
0: Come in. Ma and looked to Michael like every general store he'd stopped at on his way home from Massachusetts. Wall of goods behind a wooden counter, an understandable lack of bats and reptiles. Even the bell had the same pitch. Michael began to wonder about the ins and outs of the bell industry in America. Did all the bells still come from Europe?
4: So, what happened to... Pa, if you don't mind me asking.
2: Oh, he died a few weeks back.
4: Oh, uh,
0: my condolences.
3: I'm not dead.
0: An elderly man in a rocking chair in the corner barks at Ma from under his blanket.
3: Yeah, well, you're dead to me! You're just hysterical!
0: Ma waves off Pa's accusations and goes behind the counter. Um...
4: Oh, so, uh, I just need some flour and ground coffee for- Barry,
2: Mary, it's rude to interrupt people. Now, what is it you're looking for?
0: The musk becomes unbearable for Michael. Flour
4: and coffee.
0: Ma turns around and grabs the retriever pole, leaning against the wall. She reaches up to hook a 60-pound bag of flour from the top shelf.
4: Do you need help with that?
2: No, I'm fine.
0: Ma hooks the handle and slowly pulls the bag from its shelf. Are you sure it's heavy?
2: Dearie, I said I'm fine.
0: Please, let me help. The bag slides off the shelf and falls straight onto Ma's head. Ooh. Oh! my god, are, are you okay?
2: Oh, I'm fine, dearie. Happens to the best of us.
0: Ma stands up and dabs at the gash in her head with a dirty rag. Her neck now tilted at an odd angle, she grabs the retriever pole again from the floor and eyes the sack of ground coffee wrapped in barbed wire, also on the top shelf uh, no no, no uh l- let me grab that one.
2: No customers behind the counter
0: Ma slides with her foot a flimsy wooden crate to the base of the shelf to she stand on. She struggles to find her balance, wobbling like a house in molasses as she grapples with the coffee. Seriously, you're going to get hurt. I'll grab it.
2: Ah, oh, if he comes behind this counter, you shoot him dead.
0: Pa's six-shooter peeks from beneath the blanket.
3: You stay right where you are, boy. No customers behind that counter now.
0: Ma's arms shake with the weight of the coffee on the end of the pole as she jerks it back and forth to wiggle the bag free.
2: Almost there. It's the barbed wire that's causing the trouble.
4: <laughs> Hey, uh, you know what? Um, that's fine. I'm I'm good with just flour.
2: Are you sure? I almost got it.
4: Yep, yep, yep. Uh, c- come on down. <laughs> come on down.
2: All right.
4: Be careful.
2: I know how to do it.
4: Fine. Uh, So how much do I owe you?
2: Oh, me. It's on the house, dearie.
4: On the house? Why is it on the house?
2: anything for you after what you did out there standing up for those bandits like that after all these years of them terrorizing us.
4: What are you talking about? I didn't stand up to anyone. None of
2: us were brave enough to do what you did. It's the least I could do.
0: Ma tries to slide the bag of flour across the counter to Michael but it's too heavy. Michael throws the bag over his shoulder, unable to shake the bad feeling he was getting from the townspeople. Even through the window, Michael could still see the people staring and pointing at him, overcome by giddiness. He twirls his mustache with his free hand. All
4: right, well, uh, thank you for your kindness. I uh, best be heading out.
2: Well, I'll be seeing you tonight, won't I, dearie? No. F- for the festival. You have to be there. It's in your honor.
0: Wait, what?
2: What festival?
0: Michael pushes his glasses up his nose again and adjusts the bag on his shoulder.
2: Why, the Heroes Day Festival to celebrate what you did today. We talked all about it after the bandits left. There's going to be music and food and, and square dancing and all kinds of shapes. Pa, what other shapes are they gonna
0: have? Pa, tell them about the shapes. Pa! Ah! Pa's bullet embeds into the shelf just above Ma's head.
2: <laughs> well, that was a close one.
0: The coffee bag dislodges itself from the shelf and falls straight onto Ma. Ooh. Barb's tearing into her frail skin like a gopher digging in for winter.
3: What did you do to my wife?
0: Pa throws off his blanket and rushes to his wife's side, his naked, oiled-up, muscular body blinding Michael with its glisten. He cradles Ma as her eyes struggle to meet his.
3: Look what you gone, did. Making her move that bag ever so slightly. This is your fault. All oh, your fault. Get out, varmint. I said get
0: Michael throws the door open, only to be confronted with the town hard at work, setting up wooden stages, stringing lights, and inflating a bounce house sewn together with what could only be described as jeans.
4: I said get out! I am! I'm outside! You You just broke your own window.
0: She took you off the sign. A banner across the street. Reading Heroes Day Festival is hoisted up over the heads of the children's choir, prepping to rehearse on the steps of the church.
2: Now,
5: now, children, save your voices. We have a hero to praise later. Mouth your words. That's it. No, Oliver, you can't go to the outhouse again. You'll rub that sphincter raw. Because, Samantha, the man who came in town today is a man to be idolized, and we must do our part as a community.
1: But isn't idolatry a sin?
5: That may be, but... Hey, wait just a minute now. You're not a child, you're just a relatively short man. Uh, I'm 5'5". You're an abomination. Get out of here. Go on, now.
0: Michael throws his sack of flour over his horse's back and makes his way over to the church, ducking under a long board, carried through the street with a duck on top, hammering away. Not helping in any meaningful way, but doing his part nonetheless.
5: Now, Alvin, did you bring enough gum for the rest of the choir? Well, then you'll just have to share that piece you're chewing, won't you? Go on, kids, grab your fair share.
4: Excuse me, miss?
5: Yes? Oh... Why, you're that brave, handsome man from earlier. What was your name again? Michael. He said his name was Michael!
0: Sylvia shouts to the group nearby, painting signs that say, Thank you, Brad.
3: Oh, come on! It was a close guess. A pleasure, Michael.
5: I'm Sylvia, the children's choir director.
4: Uh, great. Hi. Uh, so what is happening? Uh, this this doesn't make sense. Uh, why is there a festival for me?
5: Why? Because of how you stood up for us to the wild and wacky bunch. Children, no giggling. Uh,
4: But I didn't do anything.
5: Well, sure you did. As sure as a treaty with the natives. We all saw it, didn't we, kids? So heroic. I just wish I could find a man like you. Well,. Maybe I have.
4: Uh, nope. Uh But uh how is this all getting uh, put together like this? That was all a few minutes ago.
5: After we decided we were going to honor you for your courage and maybe even elect you sheriff, our council-appointed leader dictated what jobs everyone needed to do, and we just up and got to work. <laughs> Seems the only sensible way to run a government, if you ask me.
4: What? I, uh... I don't know about that, but... Are you
5: not versed in your Marxisms?
4: Look, I I don't, uh, I don't know what's happening here. I think I just saw somebody die?
5: Oh, I'm sure it was a sacrifice for the good of the motherland. Now, if you don't mind, Michael, I need to get these children ready for our show tonight. I look forward to seeing you there. And maybe afterwards, if it's not too forward of me. Oh, now, now, Daniel, you get down from there right this instant. You'll hurt yourself.
2: Daniel? Ah! Daniel! Daniel! Someone
0: call a doctor! Michael was more puzzled than ever. He cleans the dust off his glasses as he walks down an uneven street. The town seems transformed, humming with activity and happiness, all seemingly because of his arrival. He knows he'd feel guilty if he left now, despite the impulse to do so. He grabs his mustache in his fingertips, watching four men raise a bronzed statue of himself, somehow made with extreme detail, even under the clothes.
5: Michael, is it? What's that? Come on, you're late for your fitting.
0: Uh, what fitting?
5: What else is there to clarify? Let's go.
0: The seamstress shoves Michael along back to her shop, to fit him for his ceremonial robes, just as the Sundance Kid, yep, Cans yep, Kid and yep, Tribeca Kid, reach yep, their banded yep, hideout. Yep, yep, a cave yep, of tents yep, and shacks, fortified with log walls and natural rock in the middle of Rock Bottom Peak. Yep, yep, Masculine yep, Cassidy hears the return and goes outside to meet his crew.
3: Sundance, my number two, my second in command, my deputy, my personal aid my most trusted companion the man who was almost equal in power and responsibility as i the guy who was almost exactly like me within a hierarchy of the wild and wacky bunch the wild and wacky bunch but still answers to me because i initiated creating this here group my friend did you get the money Nope. You bastard. You mean
1: nothing. Hey, 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 it wasn't my fault. They got themselves someone who fancies themselves a hero opposing ourselves all by themselves, and now ourselves ain't getting no money for ourselves from themselves.
3: Oh, is that so?
1: Said it themselves, didn't they?
3: Sure did. Rightly were. That's disgusting. We live here. Can you not spit on the ground like that?
0: Sure will won't happen again. Ugh.
3: Alright, well... We have a town who won't give us our protection money. Because of a man who thinks he can keep him protected. So... How do we make them want to pay us for protection again?
6: We show
2: them he can't protect them.
3: Very good, Toronto International Kid. Very good. We show them this man can't replace us. And how do we do that? By
1: taking something of theirs.
3: Excellent, Sundance. We take something of theirs. This town, they'll no doubt throw this man a festival of sorts, utilizing organized labor through a central decision maker, as any good government would do. Yeah,
5: absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the way of the law. We'll
3: go back tonight during the festivities while everyone's distracted. And we'll kidnap someone, and take him back here, and draw out this hero. Once we kill him, Kenya Pueblo will have no choice but to come crawling back to
1: us.
6: Who are you thinking of kidnapping?
1: Oh, don't say Sylvia. What's wrong with Sylvia?
6: What's wrong? You're practically stalking
1: her. You've been obsessed with her ever since we started extorting that town. Is that... It? Is that why we do it? Is that why we've never moved on from here? You just want her to notice you, is that it?
3: It has... Nothing to do with that. We need to kidnap someone, why not her? That's all I'm saying. It's a trope, that's it.
2: You've never even talked to her. What do you think is going to happen? You're just going to kidnap her and then she'll see how
3: great
1: of a guy you
3: are? It's called Stockholm Syndrome and it's a real thing.
1: I've never even heard of Sweden. Do you call yourself Masculine Cassidy so she'll think you're some macho guy or something?
3: It's a nickname from college. Let's gear up and wait for nightfall. Come on out here, Austin kid. Sydney kid. Venice kid. Berlin International kid. BFI London kid. Ann Arbor kid. Slam dance kid. Don't think I forgot about you back there, Edinburgh International kid. Yeah. Cinequest kid. Rain dance kid. Hey, where's AFI presented by Audi kid?
2: He's in the outhouse.
3: It seems like AFI is always pushing out crap. The rest of you gear up. We'll take to the town at dusk when they least expect it and kidnap my future wife. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the wild and wacky bunch repeated their chant, preparing their weapons and horses for the raid. It had been too long since they've flexed their muscle and Pequeño Pueblo was starting to forget their place. There was no way the town could band together and stand up to tyranny, and this hero of theirs was no match for their swift power. Or so the bandits thought. End Chapter One
6: Uh,
0: hey Mom, can I go to Trevor's house?
6: Not until you brush your teeth, stepson, and stop calling me mom. Oh, but we're out of toothpaste. No, we're not. Whoa, what is it? What is it? Toothpaste, we were just talking about this. How do you not figure that out? That's right. We are proud to present our new line of children's flavors from Leg and Sickle Toothpaste, the only toothpaste made with real horse teeth. Imitation horse teeth pastes don't pass the taste test, and with our new bubblegum and no no juice flavored teeth pastes, your kids will love teeth paste time just as much as you. Plague and siggle teeth paste is great for toast, eggs, ribs, souffles, rusty hinges,
2: beige hats,
6: inconsolable lawyers. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
6: Pop culture trivia games. A Caribbean cruise. Dumb cruise. <laughs> Box of screws. Deliver bad news. Here. Covering a bruise. Oh. an old man snooze. Huh? Meet Howard Hughes. Why? Legally watch Blues Clues. Huh. And anything else you choose. What have you got to lose? Leg and sickle toothpaste. Available in stores near you.
0: Wow.
4: Thanks, Mom.
6: Step Mom. I am not your mom. I don't want to be your mom. I hate you. Well, I hate you too. I didn't ask for you to be in my family eat Leg and sickle toothpaste. Inanimate or your money back.
0: Dr.
5: Raymond Pants Books on Tape on Demand is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows and other podcasts, please visit the tridentnetwork.com.